Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, March the 22nd edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kirk Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and we've got great news. Our good friend, Dr. J.B. Hickson is back, baby, and uh, we are really glad to have him again uh, this morning. Uh, we had some scheduling issues uh, last week that precluded us giving you a segment on Tuesday, but we were sure happy to be able to do it this morning, and I know JB's tickled about it too, uh, because he's going to be able to finish up what we started two weeks ago, uh, which was part one of Sin, the Real Pandemic, and its only cure, uh, and uh, but before we get into that, JB, I'd like to remind our listeners that your new book is officially out, and on the market, it's for sale. People can get it by going to notbyworks.org. They can order it directly there. Uh, and let us know some of the other places where it can be ordered. I, I'm assuming it's gonna, it can be ordered anywhere online. Well, you bet. So right now we're just making it available through Not By Works Ministries. By the way, good morning. And I don't know what you're talking about, about scheduling conflict. I've been sitting right here waiting for the last week for you to sign yeah. on last Tuesday. And uh, yeah. I finally figured, you know, you must not be here. No, we had, we got <laughs> unexpectedly. And uh, so, man, I missed you guys. Uh, it we really you was too, a, a downer right. of a week without our Tuesday morning uh, conversation where we get to wax theological about all kinds of wonderful biblical truths but uh yes yeah spirit of the antichrist it went uh it came out yesterday morning and we uh are really excited about it already getting some good response uh right now it's available only through not by works ministries we're trying to not uh, support big tech and amazon we feel like jeff bezos probably has enough money uh yeah. but uh, not by works uh uh, it's available there. The easiest way to get it is just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and it uh, has you a little a little teaser there. I give you the, the preface in, in its entirety and the table of contents, so you can kind of browse through and see some of the topics we address, but really a, a powerful book. We, we premiered it yesterday on uh, the David Fiorazzo Stand Up for the Truth radio program syndicated across the country, and then we've posted that interview which was dedicated the whole hour to the book uh, at the Not By, Work, Not By Works podcast channel. So you can also listen to that if you want to kind of get more information and, and, and find out some of the information in the book. But anyway, I'm really excited about our topic today, sin. And, yes. uh, you know, we kind of left our readers hanging uh, two weeks ago. I mean, our listeners hanging with, uh, with, with our part one. And we, of course, uh, talked about uh, sin, the real pandemic, and we talked about the ultimate uh, issue of sin in the life of every human being who's born dead in trespasses and sin, and how the only remedy is uh, faith alone in Christ alone. Amen. Um, but what we did not address is how sin, even though uh, our penalty has been paid for, we still have to reckon with sin in a practical sense every day. Every day. And, and so believers might be wondering, well, wait a minute, if the penalty for sin is paid for once for all and our home in heaven is eternally secure, what do I do between now and then? Why do I keep struggling with sin? And what, mm -hmm. what's the remedy in that sense? And yeah. so today we just want to look at a few passages of scripture okay. and give some principles about sin in the life of a believer. 
you know, those of us who believe in the grace gospel, the pure grace gospel, that salvation is a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's right. totally paid for by the blood of Christ. We don't have to submit, surrender, commit, promise, pledge, turn from our sins, or make some kind of a contractual agreement with God in order to get to heaven. It's simply receiving the free gift by faith. But those of us that believe that often uh, mistakenly get accused of being, quote, soft on sin. Yeah. And I just, uh, I want our listeners to understand that nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I believe those that come from a, a biblical dispensational framework have a more accurate understanding of the reality of sin in the life of a believer and how we should deal with it than those who come from a more lordship or Calvinist approach to salvation. Because for Calvinists who think you have to commit, surrender, repent, turn, promise, pledge, you know, make him Lord, put him on the throne of your life, all of those different things that they say, for them... When, when a believer is struggling with sin, their solution is simply to declare, well, he must not be a believer. <laughs> no no yeah. believer would do that. If he's doing that, he can't possibly be a believer. He didn't mean business with the Lord, or he didn't do it right, or his commitment wasn't strong enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that's not the testimony of Scripture, and it's certainly not the meaning of grace. Uh, right. Grace means absolutely free. If it's not free, it's not grace. If it's not grace, it's not free. Hallelujah. Uh, our solution, which is the biblical solution, is to recognize that even though positionally, once we place our faith in Christ, we are declared righteous and nothing can change that positionally. Mm -hmm. Practically, we still have that old man, that flesh, rearing its ugly head. And as Galatians 5, which we're going to look at in a second, makes it clear, that flesh is, is warring or lusting against the spirit. And the spirit warring or lusting against the flesh. And mm -hmm. Paul says the two are contrary to one another. And mm -hmm. so uh, really the, the issue of sin in the life of a believer comes down to understanding positional truth, that we, we have to recognize the distinction between positional righteousness and practical righteousness. Right. And everyone who knows Jesus, who's been born again by faith alone in Christ alone, is once for all positionally righteous. But practical righteousness is another matter. The goal of the Christian life is to let our position reflect itself in our practice. Yes. We ought to walk in the new nature, not the old nature. We ought to live like Christ, reflect the image of Christ in our life. We ought to, we ought to produce the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who's indwelling us. Uh, and, and to the extent that our practical righteousness reflects our positional righteousness in Christ, we are walking in spiritual maturity and, and growing in Christ. Yes. But when, we, when our practical behavior does not reflect our position in Christ, it reflects our old man, mm -hmm. then that's when we're dealing with a sanctification issue, a sin issue, and we're not, we're not being separated uh, you know, into Christ-likeness. So, uh, so we need to understand the fundamental point is that Christians sin. Uh, it's not recommended. It's not good. It's an offense to a holy God. Um, but Christians sin. No Christian will achieve sinless perfection this side of glory because mm -hmm. we're still dealing with the fleshly nature. So right. Scripture speaks of salvation in three tenses, if you will. We are saved once for all in the past 
from the penalty of sin the moment we trust Christ. That's that position that I've been talking about. Uh, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We've been born again, John 3. Yeah. But then there's also salvation in the present, which is we are being saved day by day from the power of sin. Right. And that's what the Bible refers to as sanctification, uh, the pro pro progressive sanctification. But there's a future salvation that the Bible calls glorification, and that involves being saved ultimately from sin's presence, from sin's presence. And that is when we go to heaven and we leave this earth that is under the curse of sin and constrained by sin, and we're in the presence of God, and we are no longer in the very presence of sin. So we have been saved from the penalty of sin, eternal separation from God in hell, if you've trusted Christ. We are being saved day by day from the power of sin as we uh, walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh, and we will be saved one day in the future from sin's very presence. Yes. Uh, so if you understand that paradigm, then it gives you it gives you some place to go when you wrestle with this issue of sin in the life of a believer. And unfortunately, as I said, you know, Calvinists and Lordship Salvationists and others that I think, though they may be sincere and love the Lord and good people, they're, they're wrong, dead wrong on their doctrine of salvation they don't really have a, a place to go with it. So all they can do is when someone is sinning is say, oh, well, he must not be a believer because yeah. you know, no believer would get drunk or no believer would commit sexual sin or no believer would do this or do that. And I mean, it's always amazed me. And I've been you know, dealing with this issue and, and having these discussions and teaching and debating about it for 32 years now. But it's always amazed me how anyone can hold that view just from a logical perspective yeah, for sure yeah they have to look in the mirror and recognize that they're still struggling with certain sins in their life that they have been their whole christian life you would have to think that they would realize that yeah now but what they've done is they've had this pride they've developed this prideful uh perspective that says somehow God is okay with my little sins of pride or jealousy or temp my temper or other of some of the, uh, those types of things. But the big sins, you know, uh, murder and homosexuality yeah. and whatever, you know, that, that, you know, when that happens, that discounts your salvation. You can't possibly be saved. And what they don't understand is that all sin is an offense to God. I mean, yes, there are degrees of pen, uh, consequence, and in hell, for those who never believe Jesus Christ, there are degrees of punishment. Luke 12 talks about that. But, but in terms of being an offense to God, there's no such thing as big sins and little sins. You know, yeah. sin, he, he can't stand it. No, he can't. So he's just as offended by your jealousy, let's say, uh, or mm -hmm. covetousness. As he is by someone else who's, you know, has a drug problem, you know, yeah, yeah. Yet, you know, these, uh, these people that come from that perspective, you know, what they do is they, they just, they insist that, well, you can't really sin for very long or have too many sins or have too big a sins because no Christian would do that. Well, the fact is, and listen carefully to this next statement, there is no sin that an unbeliever can commit that a believer cannot also commit That's if right. he's walking in the flesh. That's <laughs> you know, right. There, but by the grace of God, go I. And so, 
Fortunately, our eternal destiny is not based upon how much or how little we sin. Mm -hmm. It's based upon the promise of Jesus Christ, who said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever believes in me has, present tense, once for all, eternal life, and shall never perish. So, so, so for sake of illustration, J.B., um, if I step out of my home and, and look at my neighbor's uh, Mercedes in the driveway and I covet that, that's sinful. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but if my neighbor steps out of his house and shoots my other neighbor, that's murder. And yeah. God hates both of them the same. However, there, there will be varying degrees of punishment for severity. Well, the consequence, yeah. Punishment consequence. only deals with unbelievers. And so if they're an unbeliever and they die, then yeah, they're, you know, uh, Hitler, for example, uh, uh, is, is facing more punishment in hell than, say, just your average person who was a good person but never accepted the free gift of eternal life. But, right. but absolutely. Um, and the, and, the, and the, to go with your analogy further, the sad thing is many people will look at the person who committed murder and hastily conclude there's no way he can be a believer. Right. But they'll look at the person themselves who's struggling with jealousy or covetousness or lust, the hidden sins, and say, mm -hmm. well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I know I'm a believer. You know, yeah. so um, now, again, we're not in any way suggesting that any sin is okay. We're just saying that sinful behavior is not the issue when it comes to our eternal destiny. Right. Right. You know, we're not consigned to hell because we committed sins. We're That's consigned true. to hell because we were born in sin. Mm -hmm. Our very nature is sinful, and we have to have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, given to us, charged yes. to our account, yes. because we can't do enough good works, and it's not possible to stop doing bad works. So we have to have someone else come along pay that penalty for us and give us the free gift of eternal life. And that's what imputed righteousness is all about. In fact, yes. uh, uh, Romans uh, five, let me call this up. Romans five verse one says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And uh, chapter three, verse 24 says, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, uh, we need to make sure we separate whether we're talking about justification, that once for all being declared righteous, which is what we talked about two weeks ago in part one, yeah, right. versus the ongoing struggle, sanctification uh, that believers have with sin. So, so let's take a look at Galatians chapter five as a starting point. And I don't, I don't know how much time we'll have to get into a whole lot of passages, but this is certainly a great one, and it's one that people often struggle with uh, because they don't keep in mind the distinction that the Bible makes between positional truth and practical truth, between positional righteousness and practical righteousness. So in uh, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16, and let's put this in context first. So Galatians um, is, you know, uh, about is written as one of, it was Paul's first epistle and uh, he was writing it to the early Christians in southern uh, Galatia and he, he, they had just gotten saved and yet they were still uh, tempted if you will maybe that's not the best word but they were still sort of influenced by the law 
mm-hmm. and and they felt like they had to dot their I's and cross their T's, mm-hmm. and, you know, and just had to uh, keep the law in order to really be saved. And right. that's because some false teachers had crept in after Paul had visited them, uh, mm-hmm. and Paul and Barnabas, and uh, had visited them. And then these false teachers began to say, well, it's not just faith. You got to be circumcised. You got to do all this other stuff. Yeah. So with that background, Paul writes this letter to address both justification and sanctification. And he reminds them that the method of justification, faith, is the method of sanctification, faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, as he would later say in his second letter to the Corinthians. So uh, really, you know, we trust God to save us from the penalty of sin, and we trust God's word uh, to lead and guide us, be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and to give us the roadmap for life, to, to not do what we shouldn't do, to, to tell us what we shouldn't do, and to tell us what we should do, that kind of thing. So with that background, here's what Paul says in Galatians 5. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right. And then he describes, uh, well, then he goes on to say, as I quoted earlier, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. That's Galatians 5.17. I might have said it was Galatians 5.16 earlier, but Galatians 5.17. Notice you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, every believer who has the indwelling Holy Spirit knows when he's doing something wrong, and he knows what he should be doing. Yeah, Paul's explaining the battle here. Yeah, exactly. He's painting a picture of the battle. And by the way, he gives a personal picture of that battle in mm-hmm. Romans chapter 7, where uh, if you remember, Romans chapters 6 through 8 are all about the practical life of the believer. How can we walk in the new man and not the old man? Yes. Um, he, he talks. It starts out in Romans 6 by talking about reckon yourselves dead uh, to sin. In other words, you've been set free from sin, so quit you know, walking in that old way of life, walk like the king of the, the son of child of the king that you are, right? Uh, but in Romans uh, 7, Paul describes his own personal struggle, and he yes. says, look, sometimes the things I know I should be doing, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am, uh, who will rescue me from this body of death? In other words, he, he knows that as long as, he's, long as we're topside this earth, we're going to have these struggles. We're going to have outbursts of wrath and those types of things. Mm -hmm. So he he goes on to say, back to Galatians 5 and verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the reason he's saying that is because these people that he was writing to, and by the way, many people today have the same problem, thought that the law itself could constrain evil, that more laws we create, the safer everything's going to be. And the problem is the law can never constrain sin. That's right. All it does is provide some guidance and, and highlight the fact that we do sin. <laughs> yeah, it, it just makes us aware yeah. of our sin. Yeah, so, you know, the illustration that I've used many times is, you know, in, in terms of traffic laws, you know, a, a stop sign is never going to uproot itself from the side of the road and jump out in front of your car and force it to stop. Right. right? But it does give you the parameters. It shows you, hey, you need to stop here. You know, my uh, one of my daughters just got her driver's license, um, and uh, she's doing great at stopping 
well behind the stop sign because she knew that's what she needed to do to pass the test, you know? And right. uh, of course, the longer we drive, the more we tend to just sort of coast through those stop signs. And, and that's, uh, that's a violation of that law. And so, but the stop sign doesn't have anything to do with it. It's not going to have, have any way to stop us, right? So in the same way, when we talk about moral laws, uh, the, the, the law does not have the ability to, to stop us. We have to be led by the Spirit, and we yes. have to follow His uh, convicting work in our heart and in our lives. Yes. Then in Galatians 5, Paul describes... And this is where it starts to get tricky for people that really aren't connecting the dots in, in the context well. But he describes the type of outward behavior that comes from those who are not led by the Spirit. They're yes. led by the flesh. Yes. So, as you said, he's described the battle well, the flesh against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. Now he's going to tell us what that in, inner battle looks like, mm -hmm. depending on who's winning. Right. And if the flesh is winning and we're catering to the flesh, John talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, which are ever present uh, foes in our life, trying to lead us away from the word of God. But he says, if you're catering to the flesh, then this is what it's going to look like. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, <laughs> um, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and then Paul adds, and the like. In other words, anything remotely like any of these things. Yeah. Now, let's just stop there for a second and take a survey of some of those things. Now, again, hopefully most, most believers are not committing adultery or fornication or murder, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, there are probably more than one, probably two or three of those lists of works of the flesh that we struggle with daily. Oh, yeah. Who can honestly uh, say that they have completely held all selfish ambitions in check. They never have any selfish ambition. Uh, well, I certainly can't. Yeah, no. I mean, we know that we should not do that. And when we find ourselves with an attitude of selfish ambition, the Spirit of God will convict us. We need to confess mm -hmm. that and shift our attitude. But it's not something yeah. that we can say we've conquered this side of glory. Right. Um, you know, envy. Who can honestly say they've ne they're never envious, you know? Um, mm -hmm. those types of things. So uh, the point is the works of the flesh here are not, you know, listing just the big ones that if you do these, it proves you're not really a Christian. And that's the way most people take this passage. It's just giving a, a general characterization of mm -hmm. what an unbeliever who, you know, only has the flesh, he's sold under sin, has no new nature. He's not been born again. Uh, looks like. So Paul in Galatians 5, if I can, and I'll come back to the text in a second, but just because we're getting into a really tricky part that people really struggle with because they don't yes. understand it. Um, right. I want to kind of step back for a second and give the big picture. So Paul is essentially saying, here's what the old man looks like when he 
caters to the flesh and the sinful nature. Here's what the new man looks like. Why would you want to look like an unbeliever? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to cater to the old man? You know, why would you want to act like a hell-bound person? That's what he's saying. Right. Not saying, if you do these things, you're going to hell. He never says that. No. Because heaven or hell are not conditioned upon what we do or don't do. Yeah, Only right. one condition for heaven, and that is trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. Amen. So people completely miss this. He's characterizing unbelievers and not saying that if you do this, you're definitely an unbeliever. He's just saying, this is what the old man, the flesh looks like. And that's why he says in verse 21, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say because they do these things, right? It's, it's that they're unrighteous. They're mm-hmm. unsaved. They're not a believer. And like all unbelievers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, right. Now there are, some people try to make a big deal about inherit here and claim that this is talking about not our position, but our inheritance as believers, and some will have a greater inheritance than others. That's a stretch and a, and a strained way to try to understand this passage. I think yeah. uh, in a second, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, which is a parallel passage, which Paul wrote not long after Galatians. Um, he wrote uh, Galatians right after his first missionary journey. Then he wrote uh, for uh, Romans and First and Corinthians uh, on his uh, third missionary journey, so not not too long afterwards. But um, but so going back to the text, here's what the flesh looks like: the old man and the the unrighteous who do these things are not going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. But he goes, but the fruit of the spirit, if you are led by the spirit, as he said in verse eighteen, is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. There's no law that can produce that, right? Right. Then he says, verse 24, key verse, those who are Christ's, in other words, if you're born again, you have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. So why would you want to resurrect them by acting like a hell-bound person? So you're not hell-bound if you do these things. I mean, you could be if you're not saved, but uh, the issue of whether someone is heaven-bound or hell-bound has nothing to do with what they're, how they're behaving. You know, a believer who commits murder and then dies will go to heaven. An unbeliever yes. who commits murder and then dies will go to hell. That's right. It has nothing to do with the murder. And again, we're in no way suggesting that murder or any other sin is okay or acceptable to God for a believer. It's not. It's an offense, and some sins are more abhorrent uh, because they deal with the very image of God in man. But yeah, thank- you know, I think, I think a lot of people get, get the Christian liberty thing confused. I, I think the essence of what Paul is saying here is that we, we can never be free from, totally free from our old nature. We're, it's still a part of us, even if we are saved. Uh, but really what we are being uh, uh, freed from is the law. Yes. yes. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because the law actually ended up uh, further enslaving people and leading them away from grace. Exactly right. People hitched their wagon to the law yeah. in the first century, and the unbelieving, unrighteous, 
positionally unrighteous Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees all said, look, you know, I've dotted my I's and crossed my T's. I've kept all 613 of these laws and therefore I'm, I'm in for good. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. and, and so the law actually had a counter uh, effect. And so that's why yes, Jesus said, we're no longer under the law. In fact, in that same book in Galatians chapter three, Paul says, look, the law was a tutor. It was like a nanny, uh, uh, someone who kind of helped watch over us for a period of time yeah. until Christ came. That's but now right. that Christ has come, we're no longer under the law because we have the law written on our hearts, which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, uh, we don't have to be uh, subject uh, to the law. And, and right. so, so Galatians, I think it, it finishes out with a really powerful passage that, again, most uh, Calvinists and Lordship Salvationists uh, miss when he, they, he says in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, and by the way, in Greek, uh, this is what's called a first class conditional clause. And it means that a better translation would be since, like, yes. uh, you know, since I'm a, I live in the spirit. So he says, since we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Right. Now, think about the implications of that short statement. That's right. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That means that it is possible to be alive spiritually, meaning born again, yes. but not walking in the Spirit. Yes. Otherwise, why would Paul command us to do that? That's right. And That's you know, right. some people think it's automatic that if you're a believer, oh, you're always going to walk in the Spirit. You'll never sin or you'll never do any big sins. And so, uh, but if you do, you must not be a believer. No. Paul is exactly saying the opposite. That's right. It's very possible to walk in the flesh and do things that make you look like an unbeliever. Uh, but if you walk in the spirit, then your life will reflect love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So yes. let's make it real practical. When I see someone who's living in carnality, like abject sinfulness, mm -hmm. Every time one of two things is true, either that person's not a believer or that person's a believer who's catering to the flesh in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We have to resist this urge to hastily, you know, declare someone saved or unsaved based on their behavior. Um, I mean, I'm sure if people were standing on the sidelines in the first century and they watched a fellow who professed to be a believer three times deny publicly Jesus Christ and even curse him. Yeah. Oh yeah. They would have hastily concluded there's no way that guy can. Yeah, he's not a believer. Yeah. And, and yet, of course, we all know we're talking about the apostle Peter, who absolutely was a believer, but yeah, in that moment, in that season of his life, he was catering to the flesh yeah. and he looked very much like an unbeliever. Yeah. So let me add that because I always feel like I have to give these caveats because people take sound bites from something I say and put words in my mouth. But I'm not suggesting that everyone who's living in carnality and claims to be a Christian really is. Uh, I believe there are a lot of false Christians out there. But what makes them not a Christian is not their carnality. No. It's the fact that they've never trusted in Jesus. They've never trusted Christ for their salvation. Yeah. So when yeah. we see someone who's struggling with sin... We should naturally and appropriately 
deal with the salvation issue first. We should ask them their testimony. Hey, do you know the Lord? Have you ever been born again by faith? Have you ever trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation? We should address that. That's issue number one. But yeah. if their testimony indicates that they have, in fact, been saved, then we need to stop questioning that and move quickly on to dealing with sin in their lives and start to uh, address some of the consequences. Yeah. And so, you know, to that end, uh, I think before we close, we should kind of issue some, some warnings here to believers who are playing around with sin and recognize there are some serious consequences um, in the life of a believer who chooses to walk in the flesh. Uh, let me just list some of these. First of all, you're dealing with the natural consequences of sin. In other words, a a believer who chooses to do drugs is no less susceptible to disease and overdosing and all kinds of uh, physical problems, uh, medical problems that come with injecting your body with dangerous drugs. That's right. So, you know, you, you know, it's not like just because you're a believer, you won't die. I mean, the, the ultimately sin when it's full grown kills, James tells us. That's right. And it's an equal opportunity killer. Sin doesn't care whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He loves death and he loves to kill believers because he takes them out of the game and they're no longer part of the army of God. So you know, we need to, the believers need to think about the practical consequences of sin. Uh, and I'm just using drugs as a example, but I mean, there are many others. I mean, if you, if you commit some moral sin, that's also a crime because of course, not all crimes are immoral. Um, you know, the, the government sometimes creates regulations that are, uh, contrary to God's moral law. Yeah. Uh, for example, like we've talked about on your show, if the government mandated as some governments around the world do that, I stick a needle in my arm and inject it with a uh, experimental gene editing bio uh, liquid, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to break that law because morally that's wrong, especially yeah. given the fact that these uh, injections, as I outline in great detail with great documentation, all of the COVID vaccines uh, have uh, are either manufactured in the manufacturing process or the development process using uh, aborted uh, baby parts. So there's an example where I might break a law, but I'm not sinning. But let's say you commit right. a, you break a, 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 you commit a crime that's also a sin. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're, you're, you could go to jail. I mean, you could yeah. face all kinds of hardship and problems. That's the natural consequences of sin, you know? Yes. Um, and that's just, you know, the way it is. So that's one uh, thing for believers to think about. Secondly, we're forfeiting the blessings of the Lord. Remember, yeah. uh, James said, I think it's in James 1, uh, that blessing comes to those who not only hear the word, but do the word. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not doing what God's word tells us to do, we're not going to be blessed, you know. Uh, and so God doesn't ever bless sin. <laughs> and so right. that's a practical, that's another practical consequence. Another one is the example that you're setting, you know, for your children or for others. Mm-hmm. I mean, how terrible is that for a believer to be walking in the flesh, living a sinful life, and therefore leading others down that path? 
Um, you also discredit the name of Christ. Um, you know, Christian means Christ-like. And when we sin, we're, we're not reflecting Christ. As John says in 1 John 3, we're actually reflecting the devil. <laughs> uh, you know, the born of God part of us never sins. So we can never, we can never sin and say, oh, look what Jesus made me do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Because Jesus is perfect. That's what John yes. tells us. In him, there is no sin at all. That's right. So if there's any sin in your life, in that moment, you're not reflecting Christ. You're That's reflecting right. the old man. And so think about the testimony that that sets not only for other believers, but for unbelievers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've said many times that there are two reasons that uh, unbelievers don't get saved. One is they've never met a believer who shared the gospel with them. Right. Who is they've met a believer and, and that believer was, yeah, so yeah. they said, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want any part, I don't of, anything it. part of it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with it. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, we could list many others, but the bottom line is, um, the, the oh, I said, I was going to go to first Corinthians six. Let's do that real quick because okay. I think that's uh, where it becomes more clear that mm -hmm. Paul is contrasting when he gives these fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit, he's contrasting a believer with an unbeliever. Right. Uh, Again, not because they do these things, um, but he go. He says here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, first Corinthians. Here we go. Six, beginning in verse um, nine. He says, "Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" Similar language to what we just read in Galatians five. But notice that phrase, unrighteous. That's He's right. talking here about positionally. That's it's right. adikos. It's uh, basically dikos, or the verb is dikaio, the positional righteousness, with a negative in front of it. Ah, like atheist means you believe in no God, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so adikos means unrighteous or not righteous. He's talking here about those who've never been saved. They've never had the righteousness of Christ imputed to them. So he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? We might paraphrase that and saying, don't you know that unsaved people aren't going to go to heaven? Right. <laughs> he says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, right. people pull that out of context and say, well, Paul says, right, if you do this, you can't go to heaven. He never says that. He never says, if you do this, you won't go to heaven. He sp specifically says the unrighteous won't go to heaven, That's positionally right. unrighteous. Uh, but then he describes characteristic behavior of the unrighteous. And then in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. You were unrighteous positionally. Yeah. But he goes on, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our Lord God. Of our God. So again, bottom line is uh, there's no sin that a uh, believer, I mean, there's no sin that an unbeliever can commit that a uh, believer cannot also commit if he's walking in the flesh. Right. And the flesh is pretty ugly. It's ugly for believers. It's ugly for unbelievers. The task mm -hmm. of a believer is that we have the new nature that comes alongside the old nature is mm -hmm. doing battle with it. And we ought to cater to the new nature by living like the child of the king that we are. Put on the new man, yeah. not the old man. Amen. Amen. Feed the right dog in the fight. Hey, I love it. That's nice. That'd be a good book title. Feed the right <laughs> dog in the fight. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right, Jamie? Yeah, and Let's how do we do right that? Dog in the fight. Yeah, and how do we do that? We stay in the word. You know, Psalm 119 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What's that verse uh, 11, I think. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word? That's right. Psalm 119, I think, 9. Uh, Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, yeah, we got to feed the right dog. And we do that by staying in the word, staying in fellowship with other believers, uh, participating in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, um, you know, praying, doing the things that feed the spirit. Yes. Amen. Great biblical principle teaching there. I, I love that. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I know that our listeners uh, appreciate this also. And and it's it's a reminder to, to those of us that are born again, that there is a constant battle going on. And we, we do need to be feeding the right dog in that fight because, Amen. well, I'll tell you what, we, there's, we, we can lose a lot of reward over sin too yeah that's another consequence that i didn't mention as i was just reeling them off the top of my head but loss of rewards at the bema judgment is another consequence of sin in the yeah. life of a believer yeah yeah you mentioned the natural consequences you know are uh, the, the earthly consequences but there are also uh heavenly consequences as far as uh amount of reward or level of reward we we could we can lose some of that through sin Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it, it, this, this was a great reminder of, of uh, you know, how well we're doing feeding the right dog in this fight, JB. And I, I appreciate you uh, breaking that down the way you did, sir. And by the way, and I want to say to you, I, I listened to part of your uh, interview with David Fiorazzo the other day. I wasn't able to get all the way through it. I had some, some interruptions, um, some work-related interruptions but I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of it. But man, great stuff from what I heard. I can hardly wait to listen to the rest of it. And I can hardly wait to, to get that book at my doorsteps. I'm ready to start reading. You bet. Well, I've sent one to you and pastor Dick. Uh, uh, you're on my VIP list, you know, and uh, so uh, I love you. I love you guys. And I know it'll resonate with you and our listeners can uh, purchase the book at spirit of the antichrist.org. It's 300 pages. Uh, packed with documentation and uh, deals with a lot of uh, pretty edgy stuff, but it lays the foundation for yeah. why we are living in the last of the last days and what the Luciferian conspiracy is hard at work trying to accomplish. Yeah, and the more people we can we can wake up to these facts, uh, I think the better off you know they'll be personally and uh, and maybe you know maybe uh, we can get this nation turned back to to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in time to, to avert some disastrous stuff. Yep, uh, God willing, yeah. God willing, yeah, he's in control. So we'll we'll see what happens. We should be striving to do what's right anyway, though. And, and uh, that, or the writing of that book was absolutely the right thing to do, JB, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I can hardly wait to ingest the material. So, bet. And I, I would encourage our listeners, every one of them, to get that book also. Does that mean ingest? That means you're going to eat it up? I am going to eat it up. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, someday, someday during the tribulation, uh, or no, yeah, John, uh, when he received the revelation, he was told to eat up a book 
Yes, uh, it was he new, was. New revelation was, that God it, didn't it, even want us to know about. It was so powerful. So it was sweet to his taste, but bitter in his belly. Yes. Yep. yep. Right. This <laughs> <laughs> would be sweet to your taste and sweet in your belly. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. And and listen, we're we're looking forward to having you with us again next Tuesday. I know we haven't decided on topic yet, but uh, I will we'll get to that sometime later this week. I know you and I'll figure that out. And uh, it's always a great surprise when we come up with something. Uh, we're we're spirit led uh, when we do this. So by then you'll have the book. Maybe you can pick a few topics from the book that we can expound upon. Or well, I'll bet you I probably could, <laughs> and and you can probably bet that I will. Too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I I I am in total concurrence with with what you said in that book. I'm sure. I mean, we've discussed it beforehand. So important stuff get out there and get that book make sure you get it this is critical information ladies and gentlemen and uh, you couldn't have it broken down to you by a better guy than dr jb and he he's uh he's a gifted uh, teacher and preacher of the word and and we love him we appreciate him and you get this book you'll have a, a brand new appreciation for him too if you don't already so Thank you again, JB. We look forward to having you with us again next week, sir, on Tuesday morning. My pleasure. All right. So uh, I want a reminder for our listeners, be with us Saturday morning for uh, Pastor Dick's segment. Uh, we he, he didn't do a segment Saturday either. So we only had, Lucas was the only one that, that did a segment this week. So our listeners were missing. I'm, I'll bet you they were Jonesy. <laughs> but uh, uh, just a reminder, listen in on Saturday morning for Pastor Dick and Saturday evening with Lucas Doremus. And uh, JB, thank you once again. May God bless you and keep you until we see you again Tuesday. And uh, uh, this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off until Saturday morning. We'll see you soon. God bless.